Welcome to Thrive, Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. I'm your host, Melissa Clark, a professional counselor in the Dallas area with a passion for helping you overcome challenges, process painful emotions, and understand your God-given identity. Thank you so much for being here. I believe listening to this podcast will leave you feeling excited, educated, and empowered. As you guys know, we are in the middle of a year-long series all about helping you to care well for yourself. We are looking at all the different parts of what makes you, you, including your emotional health, physical health, relational health, mental health, and spiritual health. Today, we are going to be diving in and talking about your spiritual health as it relates to the way that you attach to God. So I hope that you enjoy nerding out with Crispin and I, because we get into this idea of attachment science, the way that you connect with God. It's so good. We look at the anxious style, the shutdown style and shame style. It's very interesting when you think about how you see God seeing you. The way that you think about yourself is going to influence the way that you think that God sees you. So Crispin has done a ton of research. He is a treasure trove of information, and he is going to break it down for us about ways for us to connect with God in a healthier way. So I want to tell you a little bit more about Crispin. Crispin Mayfield is an LPC. He has a background in full-time ministry and is now in private practice in Oregon, where he lives with his wife and two kids. He is trained in attachment-based, emotionally-focused therapy, and he has served in over 10 years in church trauma recovery programs. He writes, he podcasts, he speaks. He does so much exploring the integration of faith and psychology. Two things that may not always seem like they go together, but they really do. And so I love his heart. I love his ability to break it down in very simple ways. And I hope that you enjoyed this interview. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Crispin Mayfield. I want to welcome to the show Crispin Mayfield. Crispin, welcome. Thank you. It's so I'm so glad to be here this morning and have this conversation and talk about attachment and faith, two of my favorite subjects. Yeah, I'm really excited as well. You're a fellow therapist and I love having conversations with fellow therapists because we understand our weird little world like nobody else does. Mm -hmm. And so I love the questions. I love the dialogue. You wrote a new book called Attached to God with this idea of attachment science and attachment style. So kind of fill us in on a very basic level, like what is attachment science and and how does it influence our faith? Yeah, so... Really, it's based in this idea that we are driven for connection and we are driven to first connect with our parents, typically friends, partners, uh, family members. And what the research has shown is that we take that same approach with God. And so there are these ways that we're trying to get closeness and that looks different across different people and different personality types. And that's where attachment styles come in. So some people get really clingy. And if you don't text them back in like 10 seconds, they will send (laughs) 10 text messages. And that's a way of like, I need that connection, right? Like that actually is like a God-given drive. And for that person, it's made sense in their life. This is the way that I make sure that things are okay or that I get connection and closeness. Other people, it seems ironic or paradoxical, but they will 
be more aloof, but that actually is another way of keeping closeness because they likely had experiences early on where it's like, if you're too emotional or you're too much, you're going to drive other people away. You're going to get rejection. And so, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't look like connection or closeness, but for those folks, it's like, this is the way that I've learned how to do relationship. Mm-hmm. And we, that's really kind of the, the gist of it is what are the ways that we've learned to do relationship? Um, there's another way too, uh, when we look at these general patterns, the third way being where I'm going to really criticize myself. I'm going to, I'm going to reject myself <laughs> before, um, before you get a chance to. And so that's that person that's like always running through those self-critical thoughts and you can actually do all of these in the same day. Um, But we (laughs) tend to have one particular strategy that we reach for over and over. You know, we do that same thing with God typically. So we don't just have one style. We can have all three styles, the attachment style, shutdown style, and shame style. Is it kind of like dependent upon scenarios or maybe dependent upon seasons of our life? Like, do we ebb and flow or is it just like one based on personality yeah it's mostly based across the board it's mostly based on what how did you get connection growing up in your life uh in your family um and then a lot of times that gets reinforced over time and so um it perpetuates itself and we find ourselves in relationships that feel really similar to that so if you were the kid that was like I have to get really loud before I can get my parents' attention, right? Like they're not really tuned into me. So I have to get really loud and really big and my emotions have to get really big. Then you're going to grow up into that person that's like their emotions get really big. But what happens is you overwhelm others and they actually end up shutting you out, which then reinforces to you like, oh, they're not listening. They're not hearing me. I need to get louder or bigger or say more. Um, And then, you know, if we think about that person that's aloof, it's like, all right, I keep the other people close to me in my life by not sharing my emotions with them, by not getting too close. Mm -hmm. And it's worked thus far. I've never done done it another way. So I've never had that chance to see, oh, maybe if I share my emotions with someone else, they won't reject me or they won't take off. And so there's this self-perpetuating thing, but we can get into relationships where it's there's someone that is able to help us find a new way of being in a relationship, which is where therapy helps sometimes. But a lot of times church communities can often be this place where it's like, we're going to go a little bit deeper and we're going to have some connection here. And can we ever, like, do we ever get to that secure attachment place? Or do you feel like we always have that tendency to maybe slip back into those attachment styles? The research really talks about there are some people that are insecure and there are some people that are secure. What I have found and and based on some of my some of the therapy communities I'm a part of. um, So emotionally focused therapy is like this international organization. And I um, listen to podcasts and get training. And uh, but we look at, um, you know, even if you have that level of security, when those times of stress come up, you're going to reach for that strategy. Yeah. I want to dig into each of those three Mm -hmm. attachment styles and then really kind of like peel back the layer too, as far as like, what does that look like with our faith? And 
you know, a lot of my listeners, myself come from an evangelical culture, which I believe there's really goodness in that faith background Mm -hmm. as we're, as we're learning and peeling back and looking behind the curtain, so to speak, there are some things that aren't so good as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that I bump up with my clients and really have to do a lot of, I feel like I do couples therapy as I'm sure you do as well with my client and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's such a strange way to do couples therapy because God obviously is not physically, he is present, mm-hmm. um, but not physically present. And so there's just a lot of bad teaching and uh, twisting of scripture and, and, So I want to dig into some of that, that I feel like is going to really help us to move to that more secure attachment, even Mm -hmm. though I agree with you. Like, I just have an anxious personality. Like, Uh (laughs) that's just me. Like, I, I'm, you write about in the book about how people with anxious personalities can see the shift, like a little micro change. Like Mm -hmm. my daughter, same thing with me. I, I just briefly switch and mm-hmm. or have that still face. And she's like, what's wrong? Uh-huh, and I'm like, right. nothing. Mama's tired. I'm just uh-huh. taking a mental break here. But, uh-huh. but you know, there's goodness in that, but definitely I think the more that we can understand who we are as people, where we come from, I think it really does help us to have a much richer connection with God. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that anxious, anxious style and Mm -hmm. what that looks like in our faith and how we might actually be doing the wrong thing, the right things, but it's with the wrong motivation. It could actually be an exhaustive pursuit of God. And we may not ever really find God in that, in those Mm -hmm. pursuits. So there is this, I like to think of it as um, when they started doing the research, there's the kid that's anxious is that kid that's not going to like explore the room by the way i want to just give a quick caveat if you're this makes you really anxious about like how am i as a parent um (laughs) (laughs) i love this yeah what they find is that um you have to get it right like about half the time um and not all that it's not like you have to be on half the time it's like in the times when your kid needs you you have to be attuned to them half the time to create a secure attachment. There's that piece. And there's also, I work in an ADHD clinic. And so when we think about neurodivergence, um, there's a lot of other things. So if a kid is struggling with their relationship with their parents, we do want to ask like, oh, what are the dynamics here? But there might also be other things going on. So I love that. All I those caveats. I read that because... and I was like, oh, good. I've already shared that with clients. I'm like, you only <laughs> have to get it right 50% of the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So as we go forward to recognize, like, these are the things that we do in distress. But there's also like, if when you can meet your kid or when your partner can meet you in that distress, then we can come back to back to calm there's this rupture and repair cycle that happens over Mm -hmm, and over. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I, so hopefully then we can focus on like, what's this look like with God and not um, because people then start thinking like, all right, I'm trying to analyze my relationship with my kids. Uh, We become anxious about thinking about being anxious. You know, you know, it's anxious types very well. (laughs) But yeah, this anxious attachment piece is where, it feels like it's up to me to keep God close. And yeah. I think about that one-year-old when they first did the studies, that's like, I'm going to hold on to mom's skirt. I'm not going to explore the room. I'm not going to focus on anything else because I'm afraid that if I let go of mom's skirt, mom's going to leave. I'm not 
lovable enough or valuable enough to be have attention on me to be cared for so it's really up to me and this was for me growing up in the church a lot of the messages i heard is like it's really up to you to keep your relationship with god i use this example often of mcgee and me uh which is uh if you're familiar with focus on the family they're a big evangelical organization and did a lot of you know high quality media in the 80s and 90s and so they had this video of called McGee and me, and it's, you know, kind of a, just a morality tale of this kid that lies about his neighbor and bad things happen, but it's called the big lie. But at one point the dad says lying's a problem because it hurts other people, but more importantly, it's a sin and sin can cut off your relationship with God. And so like hearing that as a kid, this is, you know, the dad telling this 11 year old, you know, it's always, I was always told your salvation is not in your works. It's in your relationship with Jesus, but also your relationship with Jesus is dependent on you not sinning. Yes. And so I think there are these little ways that creep in. And so then it's like, I got to make sure to confess, or I need to make sure to change, or I need to have my quiet time, or I need to you know, be telling all my friends about Jesus, Mm -hmm. or um, I need to be worshiping in the right way. I remember that as a teenager and young adult for me was like, is my heart right when I come to worship? Am I doing this in the right way? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and there's room for all those questions and those activities. But if it's out of this, like striving to keep God close, what we find is after a while, you get really exhausted. And, Um, it's interesting, these toddlers that they looked at, um, they would, mom would come back, mom would leave, and then mom would come back. Mm -hmm. And they were so mad at mom. So they're crying, and they want to be held. And at the same time, they're like kicking against mom Mm -hmm. with their feet. So they're kind of like holding with their arms and kicking Mm -hmm. with their feet. And I know for me, I've gotten to that point before with God, where it's like, I have been trying so hard. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not your fault because you're God, so it can't be your fault. It's got to be but my there's, fault. Right. But there's this part of me that's kind of resentful. Like, yeah. What else do you need from me? What else right. am I supposed to do? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so there can be this like anxiety and then this kind of resentment under it sometimes. And sometimes there's not that resentment. Sometimes it's just like, this is this is going okay, but I don't know how much longer I can keep it up. This is just really exhausting. And what ends up happening is you get to this point where it's like, you know, I think about a trust fall, right? You can't, you can't actually experience that rest and trust with God until you stop doing those things and see if God still sticks around, which Mm -hmm. I think God does, right? But we get stuck in this place of having to do more. And I think about the Sabbath practices, and that really was like God brings Israel out of Egypt and says, you know, have a Sabbath day. This is a day where you are together as a community and you're together with me. And I think that's really important. And I know for me, thinking about Sundays and church, like that was actually not a restful day. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's all that about like getting your kids <laughs> out the door and all that right. stuff. But also on top of that is, yeah, I'm sitting in church and it's like, 
Am I worshiping the right way? Am I hearing the right thing? Am I learning things? Am I feeling the right thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what do I need to, I heard this sermon. So what do I need to be doing the rest of the week? It's not really a restful time for a lot of us. And I think we really miss out on that. And so that's what I found overall is like, what are, what are ways that we can actually have times of rest with God? Because the spiritual times we have sometimes end up not being that way. I love that. And even as you're talking, like I'm like different scriptures are coming to mind. Like there's nothing that will separate you from the love of God, you know, right. Like Paul gets all into it, heights nor depths, you know, angels or, I mean, it's all of that. And then it's like, but if you, if you do this, then you're going to be separated. Mm -hmm. And there is like a process of sanctification, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't think that you're not saying that. Right. Um, and, and like there are spiritual disciplines. And so when you think about those spiritual disciplines, like maybe fasting or journaling, why, why do those things? If we already have that connection with God, like I, I'm just trying to play the devil's mm-hmm. advocate here. Right. Yeah. So really the issue that comes up uh, around this is like this idea of connection and closeness. And so if we're doing those things to keep God close and keep that connection, that's going to be exhausted, exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that those things are for our good Mm -hmm. and that's a little bit different. And, Mm -hmm. and actually in the book, I dig into a little bit of old Testament, um, like scholars actually who are talking about how did Israel understand the law? Because um, in the reformation and around Martin Luther, Martin Luther was kind of like, all right, God really demands perfection of us. And Mm. God is really offended and upset if we don't, you know, do things perfectly. But the good news is that Jesus did things perfectly in our place. What we understand about the law now um, and some of the even like recent scholarship is that the law was given for our good as a as a gift to us. So God is saying, here are some really good rules to live by because it's going to promote health and healing in your community. And that's because I love you. That's what I want. So I think about, you know, being a dad and uh, we have rules in our family and there's like the rules on the fridge. And the rules on the fridge have really nothing to do with, you know, you're not my kid anymore. Like you, you disobeyed the rules. I don't care. You're out of here. Right. Exactly. It's just (laughs) like, all right, like here are the things that are important to us as a family so that we can respect and value Mm -hmm. and love each other. And so I think that's something that is really important to remember is when we're invited to do these things, it's not to keep God happy. It's because Mm -hmm. God really loves us and and wants what's best for us. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually really clear when Jesus says the Sabbath is for man, not man for Sabbath. Mm-hmm. That to me is like so clear where Jesus is like, this isn't to make God happy. This isn't like following the rules for rules sake. This is because God cares about you. Mm-hmm. And so within that, we can ask like, what is healthy? What is healing? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always mean that um, things aren't uncomfortable um, or difficult, um, but it really shifts from um, I'm trying to keep my connection with God to I'm doing this because God really values me and values my community 
I think I'll give one more example. Please. Um, I think about God as a therapist. And so, <laughs> I've never thought that before. That's good. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, it's different. The, the God that I grew up with was like, I need you to be perfect and clean and pure before you even come anywhere near me, which I think Jesus really gives a different perspective in the prodigal son where the yeah. dad runs out and gives him, gives his kid a hug. And mm-hmm. I imagine kid is stinky, stinky and smelly and rebellious. And, but I think about being a therapist, I have clients that come into my office and I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. Like, I know that you are hurting. I know that you might be doing behaviors that are hurting yourself or hurting others. We're not going to whitewash that, but I'm so glad that you're here. And it's not up to you to change. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the treatment plan. I'm going to help you. You are going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable. You're going to have to put some effort into this, but it's not totally up to you because if you were able to do this, like make this change, you, you wouldn't be here anyway. And I really like that thinking of God that way. And I think that fits, you know, obviously there weren't therapists and biblical times, but when we think about God as healer and God as physician of like, Mm -hmm. I really care about you and I want to bring you healing. Mm -hmm. And again, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard or there might, you know, there is some sacrifice here, but it's really for your good. And it's also for the good of the people in your life and your Mm -hmm. community. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so comforting and really getting back to the God of love, Mm -hmm. maybe instead of trying to make him happy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't just thinking out loud, like, I don't know that God is like happy, but mm-hmm. I think that he does, or I believe that he always loves us, you mm-hmm. know, that, that there isn't anything that can separate us. So would you say that the, the antidote, if you will, to the anxious heart is rest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one other thing to mention here is that thinking about that discipleship sanctification piece what we find in attachment science is those that have that secure attachment are more likely to make ethical decisions. And so, um, so when we understand that we are loved by God, it just follows that we're going to make better decisions. And there's actually a lot of psychological reasoning for that. A big part of it is if we're not anxious all the time and we can rest, then we can, process our emotions better. We have more emotional balance in the world and then we make better decisions. Yeah. I mean, even just getting to the brain science, we're not living in the back part of our brain. We're able mm-hmm. to function here, which is mm-hmm. where our compassion is and right. um, living more regulated. So mm-hmm. I love that rest. And you even talk about contemplative prayer and mm-hmm. that's a practice I haven't done before, but in reading that I've had I've read about that in grad school and other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to try that. Cause I think that sounds mm-hmm. really, really beautiful and very slow and different. And I think when we've been in our faith for a long time, I was telling you before the interview, you know, I was born like on a Saturday and in church on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> I was never not in church. Uh-huh. I was saved at age four. And I mean, I said the sinner's prayer. I mean, every Sunday, mm-hmm. just, just for, for surezies, you know uh-huh. what I mean? wanted to make sure. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of rest, I think is just something that's so feels so good and almost Mm -hmm. too good to be true, but Mm -hmm. still something about it that feels so right. So that, that is a really good resource that's in the book. So moving to the shutdown style, 
I love this one. I feel like I see this all the time in my practice, you know, mm-hmm. emotions are bad and got to keep it down there. And above all else, the heart is deceitful. We can't trust our emotions. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about the shutdown style and this idea of emotional health and maybe how God gave us emotions and they're good. Yeah. So just to give kind of an overview, this is that person that that's like, I, you know, maybe, you know, someone like this where it's like, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a feeler. I don't really have emotions. I'm just logical. I'm reason. I'm rational. I really appreciate people that lean that way. Um, they bring a lot to our world and to relationships, but when it's to that extent of like, I'm totally disconnected from my emotions, it makes it hard to feel connected to other people, um, Mm -hmm. and to God, because that's, how we as humans, that's how we connect and that's how we bond and how that's, that's how we form our attachments to others Mm. and to God. And, but it makes sense that, you know, imagine you're four years old and you are playing at the park and you scrape your knee and you know, like, all right, I can go over to mom and tell her that I hurt myself and get a hug. But I know that she's going to, even though she'll say like, I'm sorry, like she'll seem annoyed. And this is, that actually has a lot to do with her attachment style, if that's how she responds. But it, it, what that is going to say is like, if I want that closeness and connection, I need to deal with these emotions on my own because my emotions are going to get in the way of that connection. What we end up doing is we just stuff those down and over time, our brain can actually shift in some ways where our emotions that are the sensations that originate in our bodies, our brain doesn't like take in that information as much, Mm -hmm. which um, is that's from Kurt Thompson talks a bit about that in Mm -hmm. his book, um, Anatomy of the Soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, then you go through life and that's the way that you approach relationships is like, I don't really have emotions. I don't have needs. And then when it comes to God, we've gotten this message of like, if you uh, are, you know, if you're sad, if you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're doubting, like those mean that there's something wrong with your faith. In fact, one time I was in a, in a church service um, one time where the person was talking about, um, said like, God can handle your grief as long as God, as long as it doesn't cause you to question whether God is good (laughs) and uh, to put those limitations on emotions, which Mm -hmm. um, maybe sounds right. But then you read Psalms Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the prophets (laughs) and you're like, oh, actually, like there's this whole record of people being like, God, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And dudes at that, they're Uh very emotional. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, but what we do is, um, yeah, we take this tact of like, I have to be, you know, happy like that children's mm-hmm. song, you know, I'm downright happy all the time. I forget mm-hmm, the words. Mm-hmm. And so that's our way of uh, approaching God. But what ends up happening then is um, for one, we're just managing those emotions on our own. We're shoving yeah. them down. And it doesn't mean that we don't have the emotions. Um, what they've actually found is that people that that approach emotions that way, their bodies still show a level of stress. <laughs> they just don't express it outwardly. Um, and so you still have those that distress going on, but you're mm-hmm. just trying to manage it on your own. And mm-hmm. like I said before, 
as a couples therapist, this is where this comes out a lot where um, this is maybe this is your way of coping of keeping other people close. I don't want to be too much. I'm fine on my Mm. own. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not feeling anything. What do you mean emotions? And then partners, like, it feels like you're shutting me out. I never Mm -hmm. know what you're feeling. I don't know what's going on in your head. Mm -hmm. I don't feel connected. Exactly. Yeah. And on the face of it, that person might be like, yeah, I I just don't feel anything. But um, as we do some of the work, it's like, no one's ever been with me in my emotions before that feels really vulnerable. I also have no idea how to talk about it because no one ever helped me know how to name emotions. And like whenever I've shared my emotions before people just ran away. So mm-hmm. what's the point? And or shame really, me for it. Mm-hmm, yeah. When really emotions are, are built for bringing others close. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie inside out, mm-hmm. uh, the Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, you know, spoilers, but you've had enough time to watch oh, it. That's it's just like five years old, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, she, you know, she's trying to figure out the whole time. What is sadness for? Like, why do we have sadness? Why does sadness have to be an emotion? And at the end, she's sad and she's crying and her parents come to her and give her a hug. And that's what emotions mm-hmm. are for. They cue ourselves and other people in our life to give us care or set boundaries mm-hmm. or um, really they're built to help move us somewhere. We don't have to stay in them when we can address them. Right. And so mm-hmm. you think about feeling really sad or having a really stressful day and the power of someone that you care about saying, Hey, that sounds really hard, right? That can in and of itself shift um, Mm -hmm. that experience where it's like, Oh, this, it doesn't feel so bad anymore. I I feel like some of those movies, they they have to have consulted with a therapist, like the new one in Kanto. I'm like, they, uh-huh. they have to have like a therapist, like helping with the script writing of this because I actually know that for Inside Out, they consulted Richard Schwartz, uh-huh. who was the founder of Internal Family Systems Therapy. Okay. Yeah. So, love it. There yeah, you go. Such mm-hmm. a good movie. And I love how joy doesn't create space for sadness and how it changes. Mm-hmm. I think her name is Riley, the main character. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, a lot of the work that that I do with my clients, and I, I fortunately was raised in a, a home that I, I was really allowed to feel my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think it's easier, number one, as a female to feel emotions and in our home dynamic, that was definitely okay. But for a lot of clients, they say, you know, emotions there, I can feel some things, but I can't feel other things. There's bad emotions Mm -hmm. and there's sinful emotions Mm -hmm. and there are some emotions. And of course, I believe that all emotions are, they can either help you or hurt you, but really in and of itself, they're not good or bad. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that based on your research and the work that you've done and how that may create that disconnection with God if we don't experience emotions? Yeah. You know, I, I think about, I totally agree. They're, they're not, they're not good or bad. They're just information. Yeah. What sometimes what we do, in fact, we get into a cycle sometimes of, you know, I feel angry and I'm trying to not feel angry. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to just be okay. And then I snap at someone Yeah, (laughs) because I didn't slow down to deal with my own emotions, Mm -hmm. but then that reinforces like, oh, when I get angry, I'm mean to other people. So it's a bad emotion. And so that's, that's a part of it. But, you know, I think about, um, 
spiritual bypassing is a term that actually was um, developed by a Buddhist psychologist, but it really fits for a lot of spiritual communities, which is that thing of like, I am worried about my job. It, it's looking like, you know, there's layoffs coming yeah. and I'm really worried, um, but it's fine. Like God's God's in control. Mm-hmm. And what that means is like, I don't af- actually have to vulnerably share my worry with mm-hmm. God or with my partner or with my friend. It's a way of just shutting down that emotion. Mm-hmm. And that then means that we don't actually, it's like we are, we're getting our emotional regulation through this like set of, um, this like set of statements or mm-hmm. things that we believe rather than God actually being with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, I love that. Yeah, God responding. And in I think a lot about, you know, people will look at scripture where God commands us, don't, don't worry, um, don't uh-huh. fear, right? And um, and you can take that different ways. And I think about I have a son who's six, and we walk around our our neighborhood and you know, there might be a dog that barks from behind a fence. And I say, Oh, don't worry. Like you're okay. But in this way of, I might even say it differently. I'll say like, don't worry. I bet you do. (laughs) Right. You know, I'll be like, don't worry. It's okay. Right. In this soothing way. Yeah. And I, I think that's like, that's in my mind, what God is communicating to us is like, I'm here. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I, it's out I, of gentleness. Right. I see that you're worried and I'm mm-hmm. responding to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you not to be worried. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard. I feel like being transparent, it's hard as a counselor and even just as a person, because we take scriptures like that without seeing the full breadth and, and depth of God. Mm-hmm. And so we just take little snippets and then we take those little snippets and then it's hard to you know, I can't change anybody's theology, but some of those things are so ingrained. So what would you say to the person who really quotes that scripture, do not worry and, and mm-hmm. to allow them to have space to worry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, um, as an, as an emotionally focused therapy, um, EFT uh-huh, therapist, <laughs> I would be like, oh, well, yeah, that makes so much sense. Like, that's the way that you've dealt with this your whole life. I wonder how that impacts you. And we would explore that. And, Mm -hmm. and do you share, do you ever share with your wife that you feel this way? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. no, like I shouldn't feel this way. Oh, huh. That's gotta, you gotta, you probably feel kind of lonely in that, you know? And they might be like, no, I don't feel lonely. (laughs) And then we'll, (laughs) then we'll, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that a few times. (laughs) you know, and maybe say, oh yeah, like that, that makes sense. Maybe even to, even to admit that you're feeling worry means you're doing something wrong. Mm. Means if I feel this worried feeling, it means I'm sinning. Not having enough faith. Mm -hmm. And what's that like to feel this pressure all the time? Now it becomes this decision I have to make. I don't want to sin. So I have to make sure to not worry. How do you do that? You know, I think there's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of exploring we could do there. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And that really resonates. And what I'm hearing you say is it's not just a, a one and done answer, but it's really complex. Mm-hmm. I really believe that emotions are so beautiful and we're made in God's image and God himself is emotional. Mm-hmm. And I'll often tell my clients who are largely female. I work, I work with male and females, but mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I'm like, there's, there, there are dudes in the Bible mm-hmm. and God never <laughs> tells them, don't be sad. I've mm-hmm. never seen that in any scripture. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. no, he like Ezekiel, right. He's like, you know, suicidal mm-hmm. and God just meets him. The angel meets him there and takes mm-hmm. care of him. Jeremiah, mm-hmm. that bro's always crying. God never told uh-huh. him don't cry. Right. <laughs> David's all over the place. Uh-huh. And so it's really in our emotion. I love that, that it brings connection. So how can we begin? What's the antidote, if you will, to the shutdown style? And how can we begin practicing accessing those deeper levels of our heart that maybe we think are down there, but they're so <laughs> locked up that maybe uh-huh. they're not down there? Yeah. Well, I think that that I talk about a few different strategies in the book, but One thing that I like to say with my clients that are trying to take this step is to to find someone safe and to let them know, you know, emotions, I'm not good at it. I don't know what they mean, but I wanted to share with you what I know. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm feeling kind of because a lot of times if you grow up in that um, family where emotions aren't okay. Um, it's usually you have to know why you're feeling that way. If you're going to say how you're feeling and you, which then leads to how to fix it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, well, why are you feeling that way so that we can fix it and you don't feel that way anymore. Um, but in a very dismissive way, not a, a responsive way. And so what I find with so many clients is like, I don't know how to explain what I'm feeling. And so you know, I'm not going to say anything. And so to tell that to the person in your life, I have no idea why I feel this way. This is really new for me, but I just wanted to let you know that I was feeling kind of sad today Mm -hmm. or I'm feeling kind of worried and it might be this, but I'm really not sure. I just, I'm not really used to telling people about how I'm feeling. So I wanted to try something new and take a risk. Mm -hmm. I love that. I was watching the latest season of Cobra Kai yesterday oh my gosh it's so bad but it's so good at the same time (laughs) Uh and the two main the two main characters were like I'm sorry that I I treated you that way I I was feeling scared and I Mm. I was freaking out and just in that little statement of Mm. sharing emotion Mm -hmm. they hugged and I'm sure next season they'll be back at it again dueling Mm -hmm. each other so to speak but I love it the simplicity of that brings us to connection how can we do that then with God Yeah. So that's that other piece of bringing that to God and saying, here's, here's what I'm feeling. And God might be the safest Mm -hmm. to do that with in the sense that, um, you know, God isn't going to respond and say, well, why are you feeling that way? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. And so, um, just creating some space, uh, for that, I find you mentioned contemplative prayer. Sometimes it can be a really helpful thing to say, all right, I am going to have this quiet spiritual time. And um, rather than focusing on learning more truth from the Bible or, you know, my theology or whatever, or, or even praying saying, I'm going to take this time to check in with my body. How does my body feel? And I'll share that with God. And it might be, I feel hungry, but it might be, yeah, my shoulders feel tight. And that's mm-hmm. actually where we start um, for people that have been really disconnected from their emotions. Mm-hmm. It's usually you disconnect from your body. Mm-hmm. And so the way to rebuild that connection is to notice, oh yeah, my sho- you know, my shoulders are tight. There's actually um, 
it's really common that doctors will prescribe uh, anti-anxiety medication to people with back pain. And what that says <laughs> is you actually are really anxious and your brain doesn't know that, but your body does. Yeah. And so you need some help with some of that uh, regulation, um, you know, to, you know, medication can help with that. So, mm-hmm. and if you're thinking, well, that's for somebody else and not for me, it, it probably actually is for you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> we uh-huh. all, we all struggle with depression and anxiety in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that, that feels so good. And it really is a process and a journey. So talk to us about the final one that you write about, which is the shame style and what that looks like and, and maybe some antidotes to that. Yeah. So the shame style is um, really the the best way that I, I mentioned earlier about how that plays out in relationships, which is I want to get close to you, but I'm afraid that if I get too close um, that you're not going to like me. And so I need to really watch myself. I, I want intimacy. And at the same time, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to be too much. This sounds really similar to the shutdown but the shutdown person usually is like, I'm fine on my own. Like I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like that's the story they've they told don't themselves. know. They don't know that they're a floating head. Right. Exactly. Whereas this, this is the person that's like, I really, I really need this closeness. I feel really lonely. And at the same time, I'm afraid that if I get close to you, I'm going to feel shame. I'm going to feel bad about myself. And this really resonates with me thinking about my relationship with God um, through my life where it's like, all right, I want to get close to God during worship or whatever it is. And then there's this, also this feeling of like, but it feels like I'm too sinful. It's like, Mm -hmm. God loves me, but God doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's even been this element of like, I just remember growing up in the church and feeling like, God will like me when I get to heaven and I'm made perfect Mm -hmm. and God's just like hanging out, keeping me around until I can be like refurbished, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. like a makeover boyfriend (laughs) thing. (laughs) Or in the new iPhone. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Which means that like me as like a teenager who Mm -hmm. really needed a lot of love and needed to know that God loved me. It was like, well, I'm just too broken for you to love me now. And that shows up in a lot of different ways. We can kind of tune into the the metaphors we've been given. Um, I don't think that they're ill-intentioned, but one yeah. that comes to mind is, um, you know, people will say, when God sees you, um, God doesn't see you, God sees Jesus. And to me, that always said, oh, like, the only way God would ever like me is if I look like Jesus. And because Jesus is doing this sort of like mask, like, you know, short, the veil short, or something. That's right, how I imagined yeah. it too. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that's transformed. Only, uh-huh. Yeah. That's the only way that God likes me. And or so can we, even see you, right? That's right. What, mm-hmm. That's the only way that you could even be dare to right. you know be loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it really is this feeling of like I'm not actually close to God. And if I get close, I'm stuck. Am I far away and I feel sort of more comfortable or do I get close because I have this closeness I desire, but feel the shame and feel like you're so disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I think this comes up a lot of ways. And um, if you get a chance to read the book, there's a whole section about Mm -hmm. uh, attachment trauma and abuse and, um, and how some of the, the phenomenons we see show up with kids that have experienced abuse. It actually like can mirror how we end up feeling with God. There's that whole piece, but really um, what we find is that delight is the core of secure attachment Mm -hmm. and this idea of um, it. It's really about being liked is maybe Mm -hmm. the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. Right. But think about the people that you feel connected to, right. When you haven't seen them for Mm -hmm. a minute, right. Their eyes light up when you walk in the room or, Mm -hmm. you know, my kids get home from school and it's like, Hey, how are you guys? Mm -hmm. You know? And that is how, secure attachment is formed. That's how we feel secure. And unfortunately in the church, we just haven't gotten that message. There's so many like God loves you, but you know, Mm -hmm. and I I think it just creeps in, in these different ways. Yeah. How do we foster that idea of delight? And there are a few different ways to do that. My favorite way is to think about the people in my life that like me and using that as a framework growing up and feeling like God is just always disappointed in me. Um, I needed a a better view of that. And so for me, it was kind of having a little bit of faith to say like, Oh, like, what if, what if God likes me even more than my friend Mark does? And my Mm. friend, (laughs) my friend Mark likes me a lot or, or, you know, a big thing for me was having kids and, Mm -hmm. um, and being like, I love my kids so much. And they're, it's not at all about, are they good enough? Are they perfect? Are they deserving? Are they undeserving? It's just like, I just love my kids. Um, and wow, what if this is how God approaches me? That would be a really different picture than the God that I grew up with that was always needed me to be perfect. Yeah. It felt very wishy-washy, mm-hmm. like, like a, like a um, teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. always trying to balance it. And even if you get it to be balanced, don't breathe <laughs> right. or you're going to mess it up. Uh-huh. Well, this has all been so good. Do you feel like there's anything that we didn't hit that really drives home the way to, cause I know this isn't really a how to book. It's more about, I feel like again, peeling back the layers and exposing different things within faith traditions that keep us from connecting with God, the way that God intends us to connect. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's anything else that we haven't hit that we need to? No, I think um, I'm glad that we got to do sort of the assessment of this and yeah. hopefully people are like, Oh yeah, that kind of resonates. What I really liked about reading the book. I know this sounds like a book pitch, but oh, pitch it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all need resources. This is a fantastic resource. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. It was really fun for me to, the first half of the book is saying like, here's, here's where I see these insecure attachment styles showing up in our faith communities. And the second half is sort of me being like, and here's how I found deeper security with God. And here are the things that have really stood out to me as I've come back to scripture, um, as I've looked at some different theologies, um, and even just reflecting on some ways that God has shown up in my life to say, okay, even though this doesn't work, it doesn't mean that I'm done with my faith or, um, you know, I'm done with the Bible or anything like that. It's like, oh, I can come back to this and I can see, oh yeah, clearly like God is, (laughs) God is 
often frustrated frustrated with Israel and also like never gives up on them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can relate to that as a parent. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah. And so um to see this story through scripture of of finding these ways that God continually shows up. We don't have to be worried that we're not going to try hard enough or we're going to be too emotional or God's going to be disappointed in us. Um, but it did take coming back to scripture with these different lenses on um, to see the ways that God is always there for us and delights in us and wants to know what our emotions are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do hope that if this resonates, that you'll get a chance to pick up the book because um, I just had a lot of fun being like, here are all the things that I think are interesting. I love it. There been was like so many nerdy me. stuff in there. But I loved it. It was like the brain, the the theology Mm -hmm. like it just to me Mm -hmm. and that's the whole picture of how god made us Mm -hmm. mind body and spirit where can we find you and where can we get the book yeah so you can go to attached to god.com uh for the book and i'm on twitter and instagram um there aren't that many crispin mayfields with a k out there (laughs) weird Um, (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah and and i'm always talking about attachment and faith out there. So thank you so much for having me on to have this conversation. It's, it is so fun to talk with other therapists that are like, oh yeah, like this resonates, especially walking alongside other folks that are trying to figure out like, how, how can I keep this faith and have it be something that is life-giving for me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom and hard work. Cause I know there's a lot of research that went into it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. You bet. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Thrive, Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. Be sure to visit my website where you can subscribe to get the show notes and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. That way you never miss a show. And while you're at it, help me out by adding some stars to the rating and tell a friend about the show. See you next week.